Luke 18. Let's take a look at this text. The word of God says, to some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple and they began to pray. Now, one of them was a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and he prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people. Mm. Robbers and evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector over here. He called the guy out. That's right. He called him out. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all that I get. I go to church every Sabbath. I always pay my tithe. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me because I am a sinner. I tell you, this is Jesus, that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God for all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Now, here's the story in a nutshell. Two people go to the temple in order to pray, much like we would do today. One is a Pharisee, one is a tax collector. One Pharisee stands over here and he says, God, you know what, I am grateful (laughs) that I'm not like Pastor Myron I'm grateful that I don't have the problems of Elder Rudd. I'm grateful that I'm not like everybody else. There are robbers, there are thieves, there are crooks out here and evildoers. I am so glad, God, that you have sanctified me and you've set me apart from everybody else. I'm different. Thank you, God, for making me holy. (laughs) Now, on the other end, there is a tax collector or a publican. And during that time, they considered that person a Gentile, someone who did not have a relationship with God. This man, who is not supposed to have any kind of connection with God, goes to a corner by himself and he kneels down and he will not, he cannot look up to heaven to talk to God. Wow, wow, wow. But his face is in the ground between his knees as he is praying and say, God, have mercy on me because I am a sinner. Now, we've got an interesting dichotomy here. That's right. We've got two people, and we believe, and we'll show you at the end of this, that both of them are sinners, but one of them exalts himself, and Jesus says the one that is more righteous is the one who does not even have the audacity to look up to heaven and talk to God. Yeah, the one that admits that he's a sinner is actually the perfect one. <laughs> the first step to perfection is to admit, admit it, admit it. Yeah, yeah. You got problems. That's right. No, not, I'm not just talking about money problems. You have a sin problem. Mm-hmm. You are a sinner. That's right. You are debased. You are a horrible person on the inside. Everybody doesn't see what, what, what you see, but if you are honest, this guy, this is why God said he was justified, because he acknowledged that he was a sinner. So the Bible says he left justified or perfect. Right. Comparison. The only way, brothers and sisters, that you can think yourself righteous is by comparing yourself to other people. Now, you just let that go over your head again. Okay. The only way that you could ever think for a moment, even have an inkling of a thought that you are even remotely righteous or close to God is by comparing yourself to other people and saying, I'm better than he. I'm better than she. Understand. I love this quote. I am not, or you are not, capable of even one pure thought, one generous action, Mm -hmm. 
one unselfish desire. I don't have, you have to acknowledge this, I don't have the capacity to generate one ounce of holiness. My best efforts are comparable to filthy rags. This is from uh, Bill Liversidge from his book. Understand, we, you cannot even appreciate what we are going to share right. unless you get to a place where you stop comparing yourself to other people and start feeling good about yourself mm-hmm. and start really being honest with yourself about your real condition. This is like an AA meeting, if you please. That's right. My name is Myron Edmonds, uh-huh. and I am a toe-up from the flow-up sinner. That's right. I can't produce one good thought. Mm-hmm. I can't produce one good action. Mm-hmm. It's not in me to be good. Mm-hmm. How many have come to find out about yourselves? You know, Pastor, the biggest problem with people who do not believe in God is that they feel they do not need God. And the reason they feel that they do not need God is because they do not, they are not willing to admit that I am a sinner. We have people in the world today who will say, well, I'm, I'm pretty good. I mean, I pay my taxes. I don't lie. I don't cheat. I don't do things like that. I go to work on time. Mm-hmm. I go to church from time to time. But at the end of the I'm day, I'm a good the, person. I'm a good person at the end of the day. But the word of God is against that completely. There is nowhere in the word of God that tells you that you are good all by yourself. Here we go. Psalms 51. Psalms 51. Why don't you read this? It says, surely I was what? When? Sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Uh-huh. Jeremiah 17. Go ahead, Pastor. The human heart is the most deceitful of all things. <laughs> and desperately, it wants to be wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? All right, Jeremiah 13, 23. This is what the Bible says about you. I don't care what you say about yourself. This is what the word of God says. The Bible says, can an Ethiopian change his skin or a leopard its spots? Neither can you do good. (laughs) (laughs) Who are accustomed to to doing evil. And all in the back of our minds, we still hear God saying, be perfect. Go ahead. Isaiah 64, 6. All of us have become like one who is unclean. That's everybody. And all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. The best you could ever muster up in this life to give to God only amounts to filthy, stinking rags. All. Romans 5 says, as it is written, there is, and this is all Bible, there is no one righteous. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Not Not even even one. one. Yeah. There is no one who understands. Mm -hmm. There is no one who seeks God. All, somebody shout all, all. have turned away. Mm-hmm. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Verse 13, their throats are open graves. Mm-hmm. Their tongues practice deceit. The poison of vipers is on their lips. Their mouths, Lord have mercy. Mm-hmm. Talking about Their us. mouths mm-hmm. are full of cursing and bitterness. <laughs> I can't get nobody to talk back to me in here. And bitterness, verse 15. This is what the Bible is saying about you, and I don't care what you say about yourself. That's right. Their feet are swift mm-hmm. to shed blood. Ruin and misery mark their ways. Mm-hmm. And the way of peace they do not know. Oh, I love this. Keep going. Romans 7. This is Paul, one of the holiest men in the Bible. For I know that good itself does not even dwell in me. This is Paul saying this. That is in my sinful nature. Mm -hmm. For I have a desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry that thing out. For I I do not do the good that I want to do, but the evil that I don't want to do, that's what I find myself doing. What a wretched man that I am 
who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death. Yeah, and Paul, listen, notice who's saying this. This is not a prostitute saying this. This is not a whore, a hooker, or somebody who's on drugs. This is Paul. <laughs> this is the greatest preacher that has ever lived. And he is not saying this while he is unsaved. He is saying this as a saved preacher of righteousness. There is nobody that is righteous. Nobody. I am wretched. <laughs> but yet the Bible says, be perfect. Romans 3, for all have sinned. How many? All. Have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Yeah, no, let me, let me, now, all of y'all and myself, we didn't, now, understand, we didn't just sin. The Greek here says all have sinned and we have committed things. Mm -hmm. It says and fall short. The Greek there literally says and we continue to fall short. You wasn't just a sinner back in the day when, mm -hmm. before you got saved. Mm -hmm. You are still a mess. Mm -hmm. now. All right, know yourself. The closer you come to Jesus, the more faulty you will appear in your own eyes. The closer you get to God, you don't begin to feel better about yourself, per se. That's right. That's you right. begin to that's see right. how that's much right. you need that's God. Right. That's right. Anybody that's ever right. been to the wilderness or been to a forest before and you stood next to a very tall oak tree? And once you look up at that tree, you realize, yo, I'm really micro and minuscule in comparison to this tree, which is why David could say, God, out of the heavens that you have created, look at the stars, look at what is man that you are mindful of him. When we consider how small we are and how messed up we really are, the closer we get to God and we see how holy and how big he is, we realize how bad off we really are. Yeah, you're so bad. You're so bad that you will convince yourself that you're good. The worst bad is self-deception bad. And self-deception bad always is connected with comparison. Now, I want to go back here just a little bit. Brothers and sisters, one of the worst things you can do to lie to yourself is to look at other people and look at who they are, what they do, how they raise their children, and then to begin to assess what kind of person you are based upon looking at Anthony Sowell or, or how you look at T.J. Lane or the crook down the street. Keep your focus on Jesus because the closer you get to God, you don't start saying, look how good I am. The closer you get to God, you start seeing how jacked up you are. That's right. <laughs> Is that true? That's right. I don't think we believe that. Is that the word of God? <laughs> you know you're growing in faith the more stuff you see in your life. That's how bad you are. <laughs> you got a witness. And yet the word of God says. So the word of God says be perfect. <laughs> With all of your sin. Even though none are righteous, no, not one. Even though everything you do is bitter cursing and misery. You run after blood. Everything in your life is not good at all. It is continually evil. And even Paul says, when I want to do good, sin is present with me. But Jesus says, listen, you still got to be perfect. Therefore, as your heavenly father is perfect. He did not change. Now, how do we do that? How many want to know how? Now, can, let's admit the standard that Christ set. Don't, not your standard. Yeah. His yeah. standard says be perfect. That's right. Now, let's not play games with it and say, oh, but he, what he really means is, and, and let's, no, no, let's no, go no. around. Look, the word of God says be perfect. He would not tell us to do something if he did not believe that we could do it. 
Now the question is, how? How many want to please God? How many know that pleasing God is doing what his will is for your life? How many will now at least adjust your thinking and admit that his will is that I'm perfect? Okay. First thing he does is he justifies us. Oh, I can't wait to get into yeah, this. Yeah, let's go, let's go, let's go. He justifies us. All right, let's go. Ephesians 2. I'll read it for you so you can break it down. Yeah. The Bible says, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy. Are we going to preach this thing? Made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. In order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness, I love the word of God, to us in Christ Jesus, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is a what everybody? It is a what everybody? It is a gift of God, verse 9, not by works, so that no one can boast. Here it is. You were dead yes mm-hmm. yes sir. you need to get that today because we can't move we, we really want to preach this thing today yes, brothers Lord. and sisters you were dead you had no hope receive that you were done mm-hmm. that was it for you but the word of god says that christ in his great mercy who not only in his great love rather who not only has mercy but is rich in mercy yes. <laughs> abounding in mercy yes. Sin doth much abound. Grace doth much more abound. The Bible says while you were dead, Christ died for you. No, 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 no. Not when you were good. Yeah, 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 yeah. Not that you did anything to obtain it or to earn it. Not that you could even work for it, which is why God gave you grace so that you could never in your life have a reason to boast about anything in your life. Everything that you have is because of grace. Yes. Everything, every living, breathing moment that you have, everything in your life is because of grace. The word of God says you were dead. Yes. You had nothing to offer God. You had nothing to give him. The best you had to give him was filthy rags. <laughs> And God, in his great mercy, took what you were able to give him, just your simple desire, and gave you grace and mercy on top of grace and love and salvation and everything else. Then, not only then, Christ then took us, picked us up, and seated us us. in heavenly places with him. And the Bible says, now we are seated with him in glory. Now, you don't deserve that. You don't deserve that, brothers and sisters. And if you cannot say amen on that, then I believe that maybe you think you do deserve that, but you do not deserve that. The Bible says you were dead (laughs) in your transgressions and sins, and Christ brought you back to life. Can I say something here? We need to celebrate the great salvation of our God. There was absolutely, positively nothing you could have done Mm -hmm. to establish the life that you have. That's right. 
the life that you have is not because you worked hard or you, you were a good person or you did right or you were smart in school. That, like, come on, the Bible says that any good thing that ever happened in your life, you've got to stop. Don't even think to take credit for it. You cannot boast about it. My whole life is this one word, grace. Everything I've got, grace. I did not deserve it. I didn't earn it. I'm not super special in God's eyes. Everything I have is because of grace. Romans 5, read that, Pastor. Therefore, since we have been what? Hallelujah. Through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. You see, at just the right time, what kind of time? When we were still powerless. Thank you, Lord. Christ died for the ungodly. He did not die for Christians. Christ died for the ungodly. Christ died for people who would not serve him. He went to the cross even knowing that people still would not choose him. He died for everybody. Hallelujah. Very rarely will anyone die for even a righteous person. Though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God. I love but God. Yeah, 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 yeah. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if while we were God's enemies, come on, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life. Can I tell you something? Listen, this is, if you have a faulty understanding of sin, then you will not understand salvation. If you are a Christian, you ought to understand how you are saved. this, This message is coming from a place where we know people are struggling to live victorious lives. And if you could understand the gospel If you really understood the gospel, then there are certain things in your life that you would not struggle with because you would come to understand what Christ has done. Here's what happens. The Bible uses this word over and over again. It's the word justified. Oh, in the process of salvation, the first thing that God does is he does not say, I want you to repent so I'll justify you. He does not say, I want you to come to church, then I'll justify you. He does not say, I want you to to live right. I I want you to be a holy person, then I'll justify you. You've got to understand this to understand what great thing God has done for you. God said, I am going to justify you as an ungodly enemy of God. I justify you whether you ask for it or not. I and justify justified simply means to declare. God declares John Coxum righteous. He does not make him righteous. He declares him off. He did not make you righteous. He declared you righteous at justification. It's kind of crazy because it's almost like he's going to call him righteous. He's going to call him justified. And he hadn't even done anything. He hadn't even thought anything of what righteousness is. God, just because of his love, said, you're righteous. Why? I don't know. Because I said so. You are righteous. That's the gospel. That's justification. Yeah. What just happened here? Move on one slide. 
here we go. This is antithetical to what we believe as human beings today. This is what God does. God justifies us first. Then he qualifies us. We're not qualified before we get justified. Oh, y'all going to get this today. Here we go. We are accepted before we are acceptable. Okay, okay. One more, one more. We are trusted before we are even trustworthy. We are declared perfect while God is still in the process of perfecting us. Here's what you have today on your jobs today. You only get paid after you work. That's right. That's right, John. God pays you first, and then he says, now go perform. Oh, okay. Take your time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 look here. God says, this is backwards, and this is why many of us have a hard time understanding God's love. This is why many of us go on the yo-yo with God. God's mad at me. God likes me. God's mad at me. God likes me. God's pleased with me. God's not pleased with me. We're constantly in an up and down relationship with God, like some kind of human relationship. But understand, your God's love is so amazing. Yes, it is. Yeah. That his love does not waver or increase based on what good things you do or what good things you don't do. Get this, y'all. God loves you no matter what. He's not mad at you. He's madly in love with you even while you are a sinner. And he just straight up pulls a God move and says, you're righteous. That's right. And this is how somebody like Anthony Sowell, T.J. Lane, or even Adolf Hitler, people in society that we think are such evil people, they can be saved. <laughs> no amens. <laughs> They're going to get it. They're going to get it. Your ex-husband can be saved. <laughs> Somebody said, really? Really? <laughs> really. Yeah, yeah, God really, can save really. him. He can save anybody. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, you're anybody. That's right. Here we go. Romans, Romans 2. Romans 2. I read. Yeah, yeah. Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance? Listen, y'all, this thing going to make you shout in a minute. And patience. Hallelujah. Not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. Get Here's this. the thing, brothers and sisters. You do not even know when you need to repent. The only time you can even have a thought to think that you are evil or that you are doing wrong or that you are sinning against God, God has to put that inside of you. It is the grace and the kindness of God that leads you to repentance in the first place. You, oh, man, I, I'm having a hard time today. This is, this is too much. God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. Right, come, right, 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 come, right, come, right, come, right, come, right, come, right, come. Right, 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 right. You're a sinner. Yes. You need God right now. Yes. You're hurting. Yes. You're, you're depressed. You're messed up. You keep on making mistakes. You don't even know. You need God. Look up. You need him. The grace of God tells you that. Did you, did you just catch that there? Watch this. A lot of people, and this is, this is the false theology that people think. They think I repent to receive his grace. Mm. You won't even say you sorry Amen. unless oh, yeah. he gives you grace. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You won't even admit you toe up unless his grace and his kindness reveals how messed up you are. Justification. Ah, ah. Justification. Get this now. This is so key. The first step in God saving you is simply straight up telling you you're righteous. He declares you. He declares it. Mm -hmm. It's not fair. It doesn't make sense. It's not logical. 
is God. How many will confess right now that you accept his declaration? First John 3. Oh, yeah, go ahead. I'll read, I'll read. The Bible says, dear friends, now, what does the Bible say, everybody? What does the Bible say, everybody? Now, it doesn't say when we get good. It says, now are we children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But, hallelujah, we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is, and all who have this hope in him purify themselves. Now, watch this now. We just saw a shift. Yeah. We just saw a shift. Um, let's, 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 get, let's get that baby some help. God bless you. I'm not trying to call you out, but I just don't want nobody to miss, miss out on the word. Amen. Amen. Precious, precious baby. Amen. When God hears babies cry, he hears praise. That's right. Amen. Well, see, God is the only one that can handle it. Amen. <laughs> it's all right. We'll get that. We just want you to hear the word. All right. The goal of salvation is not to get to heaven. Amen. Amen. See, y'all think God is holding heaven as like a carrot, and you just, I'm good today, I'm going to get to heaven. I'm bad tomorrow, I'm not going to get to heaven. I'm just trying to get to heaven. Mm -hmm. But the goal of salvation, to be Mm -hmm. saved, saved from what? God is trying to restore us back to the image of Christ. You won't even enjoy heaven. That's right. That's right. Unless God changes you and makes you like Uh Jesus. That's right. Salvation is not a destination. Salvation is a person. Right. That's right. That's right. And this is God's plan for us today. God's plan is not necessarily to beat uh, sinfulness out of us. God's plan. And I hope you forgive me for this. God's plan is to love the hell out of you. Oh, man. You just missed the whole thing just now. God's plan for you is to love you so much mm-hmm. and impart so much grace into your life that you become so thankful to God. He is in the process of loving the hell that is in you, out of you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. See, well, you, you, you're on to something there. Watch this now. This is what's supposed to happen. What's supposed to happen is this. God just starts showering you yeah. with love mm-hmm. Without you even calling on him, without you even doing anything to earn it, that's grace. He justifies you. I'm calling you righteous. You're a nasty, filthy sinner, but I call you a son of God. You are seated in heavenly places with me. You are righteous. I declare it so right now. Now, here's the thing. What's supposed to happen is, is you're supposed to get so overwhelmed. By the grace of God. And this is what bothers me about church people, Pastor Colson. I don't see that people are excited about this thing. That's right. When we have communion service, there should be bedlam in here. People should be shouting at the top of their lungs that God loves you. God loves you the way you are, not as good as you are. God took you where you were and loved you. And what's supposed to happen is this. Am I not right, Pastor Coxum? That when you experience this grace, this undeserved favor, this, this, this undeserved blessing, you're supposed to be so amazed, so inspired, so thankful by his life that you now, sanctification, want to simply live a life that says thank you. You're, now watch this. 
See, many of you are doing good and going to church to make God happy. Wow. Oh, come on in here. here. Come here. Come here. Yeah, yeah. See, some of y'all are not saved. The reason I know is because of how you live in sanctification. If your sanctification process is done to appease God and to make God happy, then you ain't saved. Saved folk simply say thank you. They're not doing it to get his approval. They are doing it just to say thank you. So what happens now? Magic or am I free to sin? Since God has already declared me righteous, he's pardoned me from the penalty of sin. I don't have to deal with the punishment anymore. Does that mean I can do whatever I want at any time I want? Ephesians 4. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you, this is Paul talking, I urge you to live a life that is worthy of the calling that you have received. I'll give him a context here. Watch this. Everywhere in Paul's writings... Paul starts off by talking about God's grace. Mm-hmm. It's the first place. He starts with grace. He says, man, God has done this. God has done that. He has justified you. you. You didn't deserve it. He has poured this out. So every book that Paul has ever written, he always starts off the first half describing what God has already done for you. And then the second half of Paul's writings, then he'll say, now, based on what God has done, mm-hmm. now you respond. Live a life worthy of the calling. Romans 12.1, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and what? Pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Because of God's mercy, offer your body and your, celebrate what God has done for you in your life. And let other people know how thankful you are to God for what he has done. If somebody were to save your life today, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. if you were hurt and you were broken and you had no help, you didn't have a cell phone to call, let's say you were drowning in the ocean. Mm-hmm. All by yourself, nobody is around, but some lifeguard jumps into the water and he starts swimming. It doesn't seem like he's going to make it. It's shark infested waters. He can't make it to you, but he swims his way all the way to you and saves your life what is the natural response that you would give him? Would you not be thankful to him? And Paul says, because God has done just that, because you were sinking deep in sin, yes. far from the peaceful yes. shore, very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more, because God has saved you, you have a responsibility to him. Mm-hmm. Present your bodies mm-hmm. a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God and This is your true and proper worship, not just coming to church. Not just paying your tithes on time. God says your life, your lifestyle ought to be one of worship. That's right. And see, here's the thing, because most church folk are either trying to get to heaven or trying to avoid going to hell. If you are in either one of those categories, then you are not living a righteous life. That's right. A righteous life, everything I do, who I date, I want my dating relationship to say thank you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What I eat, I want that to say thank you. What kind of entertainment I have, I want that to say thank you to God. You know, everything you're doing, you're not earning his favor because he already gave it to that's you. Right, that's right. You're not earning his blessings because he gave that already. You already got that. You're seated in heavenly places. So now you're just saying, look, you saved me from, uh, from shark infested waters. Yeah. Man, I ain't going to talk about you. I'm not going to mistreat you. I'm going to seek to do whatever I can to make you happy. Our sanctification is simply saying thank you. 
Sanctification is a response to God's grace. It is a life that says, God, man, thank you. Thank you for what you have done. Oh, man, a perfect example of this is this woman. Uh, we, we, we consider her to be Mary Magdalene. She was this woman that Jesus cast seven demons out of. She was a known prostitute in the community. And the word of God says that because Christ delivered her from that, because he delivered her from that, she did not say, I wonder what's right or wrong. You know what she did? She was moved by love and said, man, I'm about to take a year's worth of oil and just worship and pour it on him. See, when you when God has been good to you, you operate above what's right and wrong. You actually get to to a place where you're saying, I'm not concerned about what is this right or is it wrong? I'm above that now. I'm now thinking, what is it that I can do that will simply tell God how thankful I am? So if you can't do it, then who can? The truth is you cannot manufacture righteousness. The word of God has told you, you cannot produce one single good thought in your mind to make God happy or to please him. So then who does it for you? You can't even say thank you. Everything we've said up until this point, there's nothing that we have told you so far that you are still capable of doing. That's right. You need some help. I love this. I love this. I love this. Ephesians 1 says... Mm -hmm. And you also were included where, everybody? Oh, you got to get that. Where? When you heard the message of what? The gospel of your what? When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit. (laughs) Guaranteeing our redemption. Until, somebody shout until. The redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise and his glory. Let me just say this real quick. Get this now. All the stuff that the Bible requires of you, you can only do in Christ. Oh, look, get this now. So what God does is he says, I know they can't even say thank you. Has has God ever worked a miracle in your life before? Are you always thankful? No! Your righteousness is that filthy rags. God then says, look, this is why, man, and I know we're going to get to it at the end. But man, for us to be lost, for a human being to be lost, is the greatest tragedy. That's right. I mean, you literally have to go against everything God is doing in That's your right. life That's to right. go to hell. That's right. And hell was not even created for you. It's not even created for you. The word of God says that hell was created for the devil and his angels. You ain't got no business being there in the first place. Here we go. The word so God of God tells the Holy Spirit. That's yes. right. God sends us. When you believe in God, when you accept his blood and what he has done for you, the word of God says that he now sends his Holy Spirit as a seal on you. And this is your deposit for your redemption that is soon to come. Oh, okay, okay, okay. You cannot tell God thank you on your own. You can't do the it. The Holy Spirit has to help you to tell God thank you. <laughs> The Holy Spirit takes your small, insignificant, minuscule desire, takes that thing and seals it inside of you and helps you try to tell God thank you every day of your life. God loves you so much that he will not leave your salvation up to you. He will not risk it. So he sent his Holy Spirit into you to do for you what you cannot do for yourself. And this is why, listen, this is saints of God. And so that's why I'm bothered. 
There are Christians, there are church-going Christians, they don't even say Holy Spirit. Yeah, 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 that's right, that's they, right. They don't even, yeah. Forget pray for him, mm-hmm. ask for him, they, in their vocabulary, they don't even talk of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Do you really, and this is why the Bible tells us, grieve not the Holy Spirit. <laughs> if the mm-hmm. Spirit of God, mm-hmm. thank you, Jesus, yeah, yeah. if we do not have the Spirit of God, we are lost. That's right, that's right, that's the right. The Spirit of God mm-hmm. is the vehicle that brings Jesus in our lives. That's right. I might be getting ahead of myself, do but it. I feel my help coming right yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. So what happens is, is God says, be perfect, be perfect. And there's nothing in you, get it in your head that can be perfect. So God says, I'm not done hooking you up. Now I'm going to send some help. The Holy Spirit is going to bring Jesus in your life. So that when Satan is accusing you against God in heaven yes, yes, yes. and saying, look at what he's done. Look at how he's fun. He's a preacher. Look at what he said. Look at what he did. The father is tripping. He's like, I'm sorry. I don't understand why you're saying that. And the enemy is saying, well, well, how can you say that? Don't you see what he's done? And the father says, I'm sorry. All I see is Jesus. That's right. Jesus stands in your place. And that's why the Bible, when you get a chance, you need to study this in your spare time. Look at all the Bible texts that talk about being in Christ and Christ in you and with Christ. We simply merge with Christ. And so when God looks at us, he sees perfection because he doesn't see us. He sees Jesus. That's right. Ephesians 3. Next text. I'll read. Yeah. yeah. I pray. Ah, we're almost done. Out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with what, everybody? How many need it? Through his spirit, where? In your inner being, so that Christ, did you catch that? Christ dwells in you through the Holy Spirit, in your hearts, through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide the Holy Ghost is going to help you do that. And long and high and deep. Hallelujah. It's the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge. That you may be filled to the measure of the Lord. Go, 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 go. Here we go. Here we go. Ah. In order for you to be perfect or to yes. even get into heaven, you must be hidden in Christ. Yes. The only way you can do that is through the Holy Spirit, which is why Jesus told his disciples, listen, it's actually better for you than I go to the Father. Because if I go to the Father, then I can send the Holy Spirit back to be inside of you, to live inside of you. And so now Christ lives in you. So much so that when God looks at you, mm, even at the moment of your mistake... mm, even at the moment of your sin, knowingly, iniquity that is in yes, your heart. Pastor. Even when God sees you, he does not see you at all. He sees Christ. The robe of righteousness that covers you. The seal of perfection that is on you. God puts his sandals on your feet and his ring on your finger and you are pardoned before God. It is crazy to me to think today that I can stand before God in the midst of my sinfulness as if I have never sinned. I'm perfect right now. Wow. <laughs> oh, I am perfect. I'm I don't care what you say. That's right. Because guess what? You're not doing the looking. God is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, when he, and if I got the Holy Ghost uh-huh, in my life, uh-huh, uh-huh. I, may, I may still have struggles, won't I, Pastor? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. I may still fall, won't mm-hmm, I? Mm-hmm, but see, I'm falling forward that's right. because the Holy Spirit is my deposit. That's right. That's right. He's my guarantee. You're going to make it. You're going to make it. Yeah. yeah. 
Oh, preachers used to say that when we come to God and when we accept his grace, the truth of the matter is we are fenced in inside of grace. Grace is all around us. So even when we fall or we topple over or anything like that, we are still falling inside this cocoon or this bubble of grace. No matter what you... Okay, y'all not going to get this today. There is nothing, I want you to get this, nothing that you can conceive in your mind that could separate you from the love of God. You, if you, there is nothing that you can do to separate you from God. Not death, not life, not angels, not principalities. There is no sin conceivable in this world that can separate you from God except for grieving the Holy Spirit, which is your seal of redemption in the first place. Y'all better praise God in here. Oh, All see, right. and, and, yeah, 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 yeah. Listen, saints, and this is why we must be careful. Oh, my God. We must be careful that we never get to a place where we start patting ourselves on the back. Because, look, <laughs> when you said this, Pastor, it just took me back immediately. Uh-huh. When Christ, when the Father looks at us, mm-hmm. we're not, he doesn't see us as a little, a little bit holy. Mm-hmm. He sees us as just as holy Jesus. as Jesus. Look, hear me say, a converted person, they fall, but they fall differently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. See, when you was was out in the world, you did stuff, and you weren't even thinking about whether it was right or wrong. That's right. You just did it. That's right. That's right. You can still be perfect and make mistakes because biblical perfection is not the absence of mistakes. Biblical perfection is the presence of God. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. You know, and for many of us today, we think because we get baptized, we are no longer sinners. Brothers and sisters, yeah, once you get baptized, you are still a sinner. Here is the difference between you and somebody who is not baptized or, or somebody who does not give their life to Christ. You are a sinner. Before you got baptized, you were running to sin. Now you are a sinner running away from sin. Yes. That is the only difference between you and somebody else. You were running to it before, but because you got baptized, now when you see it, you're trying to run. You're trying to get away as often as you possibly can because God has given you grace in your life and you're just trying to tell him thank you. Verse 8 says, for you were once darkness. (laughs) You were darkness. But now you are light in Uh the Lord. Uh Live. Somebody say live. 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 See, this is why we are so heavy on behavior right now. Because if you have experienced grace, you ain't living in the old kind of way. That's right. Because you're glad about what he did. Yeah. A friend of mine said, he said, look, uh, Pastor Ronnie Vanderhorst, he said, man, some young person asked him about a a certain, and I'm not going to call his name, but it was a certain secular artist. And if it was okay, was it right or wrong for him to listen to it? It's positive. He said, can you take the CD? Can you see Christ on the cross hanging there? Can you plug it in Christ and will it play? Wow. <laughs> that person you're dating, can you, can you stand him before the bleeding body of Christ, arm in arm, and say, this pleases you? Yeah. We justifying stuff because you ain't converted. I'm, listen, I'm, I'm not trying to do this to beat up on nobody because there is grace for you today. But there are many of us because we've been raised in the church and stuff like that. We don't know if we have ever been converted. That's right. And we are very good at deceiving ourselves as well. Yes. You are the best person in the world at deceiving yourself. You don't even know yourself. 
But the truth is, you are often not very honest with yourself at all. You do not like to tell yourself how bad off you really are, which is another reason why we need the Holy Spirit. And what we will see, the very first thing the Holy Spirit does when it comes in is it convicts us of sin. That's right. The Holy Spirit, he is not the happy spirit. He does not come to give you a warm and fuzzy feeling and to make you shout and run around the church. He can do that. But the Spirit of God is after making you holy. Right, right. We need to go there now. So look, so now that we are justified, somebody shout justified. Christ now says my second phase in your life is I've got to actually make you when I declared you. Mm -hmm. And the way that he makes us what he declared as he says, okay, he never leaves us by ourselves. Okay. This is amazing. Mm-hmm. He says, okay, now I'm going to send the Holy Ghost. So I don't know where this is on the slides because I'm so, I'm so full of right now. I mean, we have God the Father. Yes. Now, a lot of times it's painted like God the Father is the one telling Jesus, uh, nah, don't give him any hookups. Don't be, don't be good to him. And Jesus is like, no, come on, calm down, Daddy. Calm down, Daddy. They, I, I'll take care of it. No, no. God the Father, he is the one who is running the salvation show. Yes. It was his initiation yes. to put his son out there in the right, first place. Right, 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 right. So you got God the Father, uh-huh. and then you got his son. Can we talk about Jesus? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we got Jesus, y'all. Mm-hmm. Jesus, and Jesus right now is interceding for our behalf. And we got the Holy Spirit, and we got angels, and we got folk praying for us. How are you going to go to hell? practically impossible. Man, you got to knock God out of the way That's right. and knock folk out. I mean, his mercy, yeah. you, gotta, you have got to fight to go to hell. <laughs> Lord, help me. I feel like Jesus in the temple. Lord, help <laughs> so here's the thing. We're yes. seeking to please him, not appease God. We're seeking to appease him. See, most of us have a, a sense that God is angry at us. He's disappointed. He's disappointed. He's mad. He's frowning at us. And not only that, he's looking over at us, waiting for us to make a mistake so he can zap us with a lightning bolt from his finger. He's waiting to put suffering in our lives. He's waiting to cause pain and despair in our lives. And we often think that when bad things happen to us, it is a result of God being angry with us. Where do we get this from? It's It's not biblical at all. If God was angry with you, and we both have said this many times before, you would be dead. You would not be amongst us. But God in grace loves us so much. He has given us mercy and grace. We seek to please him, not to appease God, not to soften his heart or to make him happy. That is not what we're doing. We're just telling God, God, thank you for what you have done. That's right. That's right. Oh, boy. Um, let's go here. Oh, we uh, we all over the place. So y'all, y'all pray for us. Uh, help us. All right. There are three things that the Holy Spirit does very quickly before we close. Number one, the Holy Spirit is your conscience. Yes, that's right. And listen, if I could summarize Christianity in one phrase, let me tell you what it is. The Spirit speaks and you obey. And the more you listen, the more you become like Jesus. And even when, he, when, you, even when you obey, he helps you to obey. That's right. The second thing is he's our compass. The Bible says he guides us into, into all truth. All truth. Mm-hmm. And the third thing it says is he is our correspondent. Romans 8.26 says that when we are praying, our prayers are so unacceptable to Foolish, God, foolish. That, God, that the Holy Spirit says it's all good, it's all good. I hear what Coach Smith is saying, Coach wants Alexis. Mm-hmm. Oh, he, he answered oh, yeah, that. Actually got he answered one that one. Yeah. <laughs> Coach, Coach wants this, he wants that, he wants yeah. this. And then, and then the Holy Spirit sees that prayer mm-hmm. and says, man, good night. 
man, this is not acceptable. Mm-hmm. And so the Holy Spirit then stands before God, takes his prayer, puts it inside of his bosom and says, no, God, what he really needs is this. Mm-hmm. What he really needs is that. Mm-hmm. The Holy Spirit is, li- listen, everything you need is in the Holy Ghost. John 16, 3. Word of God says when he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. Okay. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. Here's just the text. The spirit helps us in our weaknesses. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the spirit because the spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. We don't even know what we should be asking God for. (laughs) And if not for the grace of God, first of all, you ought to be thankful today that God did not answer some of your prayers. Thank Hmm. God. Thank you, Lord. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, Thank you, Lord. All right. Statement says here, impress upon all the necessity of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The sanctification of the members. Did you just catch that? Sanctification is a person. Y'all know what the next step is after sanctification? Glorification. You know what glorification is? Living with Jesus. We're in the the second step now by the grace of God. Sanctification is a person. It is the indwelling of the spirit of God in your lives. Some of us need to put ourselves in an environment. We go by this. Some of us need to put ourselves in an environment where the spirit of God is at work. Mm -hmm. Most of us live in such spirit killing environments. Spirit quenching environments. Go ahead, Pastor. This is one of my favorite texts. Romans 8, verse 1. There is, therefore... Now, no condemnation to those, you better receive this, who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but they walk according to the spirit. Listen, it is harder for you to be lost than to be saved. You literally have to try and kick God off of his throne (laughs) and kill God in your life. And wrestle him to the ground and bury him in the dust in order for you to be saved. In order for you to be lost. God is so crazy and madly in love with you. He can only think about love. If God could wake up in the morning, because we know he doesn't slumber or sleep. The first thing on his mind would be you. Every morning, I love them. It doesn't matter what they do. I love them. I don't know. I love them. 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 I will do anything in my power to save them. For you right now, if you were to be lost, it would be decision and not deception. Ah, You would choose to be lost. It is the only, and it's it's mind-boggling to me, because salvation is made so clear in the scriptures for us and so simple that the Bible even says that when Satan, and we learned this last week, will call all of the evil and wicked people from all out the ceaseless ages, when they go to attack the city, the Bible says that they will be uh, like the sand of the sea, which means that the lost will outnumber the saved. And I don't get that today, because how is it that you can be lost when God has done everything to save you you almost in part contribute nothing nothing to the plan of salvation you simply desire to be saved and god says i declare you righteous i want to believe in you god i believe but help my unbelief you're righteous you are perfect you are saved which is why the bible says there is now no condemnation the devil himself 
does not have a case against you once your life is hidden in Christ. Now, here's what we're trying to understand. You can preach this thing in a moment. Mm-hmm, sure. We need you to get this today. What we are telling you in a nutshell is no matter what you have done in your life, scratch that. No matter what you are doing in your life, oh, scratch that. No matter what you have yet to do in your life, God says you are saved. You can stand before God today just as righteous as Jesus was after he ascended into glory. God says no matter what you have, are you hearing me today? There is nothing that you can do to take salvation away from you. God loves you that much, man. He's not going to risk that thing to chance, man. He's not going to waste time with this thing. He's not going to leave it up to you because he knows that you cannot do it. So the father is the architect. The son carried out the plan. And now the Holy Spirit is up to bat now. Yeah, he's here. And he's ready to do all the work in your life for you right now. Only thing you have to do is say, God, I believe. Here's the thing. As we close, after, the problem with this, Pastor Coltsman, is this. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Even while I'm listening to you say this, yeah, yeah. my human nature is saying, I got to do something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then you begin to ask yourself, well, how is it that people are lost? They had to do something. Listen, 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 y'all. The Bible gives you one thing to do. <laughs> Believe. 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 God realizes, Satan realizes that some of you feel that this is so ridiculous that I can be who I am mm-hmm. and be saved. That he makes you think that God wants you to do all this stuff to earn his favor. But that's not grace. See, what happens is this. God sends grace. You are thankful. Then you please him. You don't please him. Then get grace. And so what we need today is this. We need today to know if there's anybody who is amazed at grace. Amazed by it. I mean, as you're hearing this word, Sister Annie Davis, Mm -hmm. good to see you, my sister. As you're hearing this word, as Pastor Coxham and I, we're we're studying, we rejoice. Mm -hmm. There's no pressure on me anymore. It's on Jesus. And I'm not worried about you. And trying to please you. Because he saved my life. I want to please him. That's right. That's right. And the more I'm grateful, the more I'm holy. The more I'm thankful, the more sin begins to fall off of my life. Because I'm no longer living to please, to appease him. I'm living just to say thank you. Your heads about your eyes are closed. There are some of you right now, and I'm going to make this as real as it is, who for the first time.